Somebody shout hallelujah. Beloved, we are welcome to episode 7 of season 1 of Biblical Phronesis. Biblical Phronesis. Um, and uh, we conclude uh, our look into the power of a graceful leader in this particular episode. The power of a graceful leader. We started that from episode five in particular in this episode we'll be looking at moves for this army conflict moves for this army conflict we'll look at five moves that leaders can make to disarm conflict wherever they are leading or their influence either in the church of god or in their secular assignment we have beloved we have to understand that leaders tend to either avoid conflict or they go into it without a clear approach to achieve a positive outcome or a positive resolution and when that occurs leaders are caught in trouble because conflict leads to derailment of purpose and focus conflict leads to derailment of purpose and focus Conflict leads to discouragement and make mockery of the Great Commission, which is to make disciple of all nations. I can tell you when you have conflict everywhere in the church or in an organization, the making up of a disciple is very far in that instance. So we look at four major questions in this episode, beloved. Number one question asks us, to answer what helps leaders to navigate conflict what help leaders to navigate conflict what prevent leaders from from rushing to judgment from rushing to judgment what prevent endless argument in conflict and how do we disarm conflict in leadership all the answers we tend to one key word that we have been looking at in the last three episodes which is grace, which is grace. Grace, beloved, is a wonderful asset. It's a wonderful power in navigating conflict. It prevents us from rushing to judgment and encourages us to consider situation from the point of view or perspective of the other person. Grace leads to conversation instead of argument. Instead of argument. You will all agree with me, beloved, that grace is power, and when used properly in leadership, it helps us to achieve expected outcome. So, number one move that we must do as leaders in the household of faith is not to rush into conflict or go into conflict without a plan of achieving positive resolution, rather graceful leaders lean into conflict you don't avoid it and you don't rush into it with stillness of arts and not judging we are able as a grateful leader to operate in a situation where conflict is to ensure that peace reigns graceful leaders do, are not positional or judgmental or poised for a fight when they have contrary views around them. 
they approach conflict with their heart, ears, and an open mind. And an open mind. Why? Because they recognize that people are not their behavior. People, we have to we have to learn to separate individuals, personal issues when conflict arise. Why? Why that make them graceful leaders compassionate? It doesn't mean that graceful leaders must tolerate bad behavior like lies, slandering, and all other things. In fact, the opposite is the case. We graceful leader we use grace to set clear boundaries and use compassion to have accountability when resolving conflict. It is possible, very possible, to hold somebody responsible for their actions while holding out compassion for them, doing what is right by them. That is very, very important. And one area that graceful leaders will show strength when they are resolving conflict is the avoidance of pride and prejudice. Pride and prejudice. Beloved, if we don't avoid pride and prejudice, as opposed to having stillness and peace in a, con- in a conflict situation, we have chaos. That is why we have to be mindful of what is written in Proverbs 16, 16 to 19. Proverbs 16, 16 to 19. That says, how much better to get wisdom than good? We need wisdom in conflict situation. And to get understanding is to be chosen rather than saver. The highway of the right upright is to depart from evil. He who keeps his way preserves his soul, and pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide his poor with the proud. Pride and prejudice exacerbate, make worse conflicts whenever it is raised in its head or wherever it is operating. Psalm 101, verse 5. Psalm 101 verse 5 says, Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, you will know that person is already engineering conflict. It's manufacturing conflict. Him will I destroy. The one who has the only look and a proud at him, I will not endure. God cannot endure them. Any leader, in whatever, whether it's, it's a PIC or it's a minister, it's a worker, that deliberately engineer conflict simply because situation around them or circumstances around them are not favorable, have to be mindful of Psalm 101 verse 5. God will not endure such people. God gave strong warnings because of that. He will definitely move against them at his own time. That is why it's important as leaders in the church that we eradicate pride from our character. We eradicate pride from our character. How do we begin to suspect pride and prejudices at work? We, when, when, when we observe, we see that pride manifests in different ways. For example, when a person or a leader starts making perverted comparisons, elevating one thing above the other, Elevating one gift above the other. Making self better, feel better, or better, or more deserving than the other. Counting what is comparing apple to oranges. Then you will know that pride is in place. Pride, if you read the Bible very well, may actually be the father of other sins. Because it will beget other destructive tendencies in such an individual. We can see Proverbs 11.2 for that. Proverbs 11.2 for that. So, we must 
be mindful that pride and prejudice will lead to perverse comparison. Perverse comparison. If you won't begin to compare your your a, a full time ministry, you are not the general overseer of your ministry, and God is blessing some of the ministers that are not full time around you. And instead of you to glorify God in their lives, but you use you use you begin to make unnecessary comparison between yourself and them, especially when they give advice, you allow prejudice to lead to perverted judgment. We must not allow that in the household of faith. So pride often begets numerous emotional disorders because it brings people into conflict, either in secret, internally, conflict that you don't know is going on within somebody, or in the open. In fact, internal conflict will eventually burst out in the open. And when it does, in a, in a, in a local parish, it is not always palatable, especially when it involves the pastors or the ministers or the elders, the people in the church. So whenever mental discord is aired within, it outbreak will manifest in some sort of emotional disorder. Okay? People we call it um we call that person unbalanced or irrational or even mentally ill. But the real issue is Perverted comparison is taking place within the mind of that person. That means pride is present. It's bringing that person into conflict with his peers, with his seniors, people that are older than him, either in age or in ministry, and with his subordinate. If we don't resolve the internal conflict, the perverted comparison, then we cannot, we cannot make headway in conflicting situation. We need to make the right moves. Frequently, conflict will occur with close associates. And when pride and prejudice exist, we begin to make comparison between ourselves and close associates. We, we destroy good relationship that the Almighty God wants us to project as, uh, as His children. The, the greater the pride, beloved, the more dangerous the consequences to relationship uh, in, in, in the Christian fold. Because it's a major cause of discord, a major cause of splitter, uh, splitter congregation, splitter fellowship. It is important for us to understand that pride has its root in a sense or a feeling of strength. When you feel you are stronger, you're, you're, you're in a feeling of weight, prosperity or accomplishment or in a feeling of that you have better gifting, you speak better in tongues, you see you have more word of knowledge. Sometimes some of these things are imagined and sometimes they are real. In whatever case it may be, it leads to misplaced confidence in self and when such things arises in the life of a minister, either young or old, a feeling that you are better than, then such a person will be making perverted comparison. We should not allow that to take root in our lives. There is nothing wrong, beloved, in having confidence in our ability to perform something or in our ability to do something. However, that ability to do something does not make one better than his neighbor. No, it doesn't make you better. You can be a good orator. It doesn't make you better than somebody that is an introvert. So all 
we have done is to project the talent that God has given unto us. We mustn't use it to, as the basis for making perverted comparison between ourselves and people around us. When we do that, we engineer and we manufacture conflict. And so, beloved, when we, we, we have to, therefore, find a way of addressing conflict when we are leading. If we think about what is written in 2 Samuel 2, 4 to 11, 2 Samuel 2, 4 to 11, here we see that Saul's death led to all kinds of tumor all over who would become the next king. People were jostling. Despite David anointed by Samuel, others saw that situation as a tempting opportunity to seize power. Often times, transition brings difficult times. Transition brings difficult times, either at the parish level or at other structure. So leaders who fail to plan for their departure invite trouble. That's why we keep emphasizing there can be no success without a successor. We saw now that Saul could have been a hero had he cooperated with God in preparing David to succeed him. But he didn't do that. Because he didn't do that, he engineered problems. He engineered problems. And the main issue of Saul was he was not able to move from the eye problem which has to do with ego, that ego that blinded him, to the we approach which Jesus Christ wants us to, 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 to recognize and to project as children of God. So there are fundamental truths that so fail to recognize and leaders we should do that. Number one, since change makes people insecure, leaders, every one of us must see it and prepare for them. We must be visionary. We must be prepared for change. People number two, people can live without authenticity, but not without they can't live without clarity regarding what is to come or their future direction. A leader cannot afford to be blind to be, be being visionary. Number three, wise choices that we make today we help us to make future more certain. For our followers. And number four, problem solving skills and effective communication. We earn the trust and credibility. The credibility for the leader. We have to be we have to be mindful of this. We have to be mindful of this. And so beloved, this leads to our wisdom quotes. Wisdom quote for the freedom quotes for this episode. Our first wisdom quote for this episode comes from Proverbs 12.18. Proverbs 12.18 that says, The word of the reckless pierce like sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. When we speak in conflict situation, it's our tongue bringing healing to the situation or it's piercing the heart of people and making the situation worse. Are we calling meetings to make people feel or important that we know or we are closer to God or we are calling meetings to, to bring stillness to conflict. Then Proverbs 15.1 says, that's our second wisdom quote for this episode, a gentle answer turns away rots, but the ash will stir up hunger. The ash will stir up hunger. More important as leader that want to succeed, you want to go through the same or conflicting situation, we then we must be mindful of what is written in 1 Peter 3, 8 to 11. 
1 Peter 3, 8-11. And I read, it says, Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. When you are offended, do you, do you keep quiet and allow the Holy Spirit to take charge? Or you are very good in confronting the situation with harsh words. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to do this, you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. That is what is expected of us as children of God. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil, especially the dance in the houses of God, and their lips from deceitful speech. Verse 11. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. In conflicting situations, where we have conflict, we must pursue peace at all times. Seek peace. If in need that you must suffer for doing good, do so as leaders and the Lord Almighty will reward you in the mighty name of Jesus. And so, beloved, our biblical promises for this episode, number one says, Grape helps leaders to navigate and disarm conflict. Grace helps leaders to navigate and disarm conflict. That's number one, furnaces, practical wisdom. Number two, grace prevents leaders from engaging in figure pointing at the slightest provocation. It stops leaders from rushing to judgment. Number three, grace prevents needless argument and confrontation when conflict arises. Number four, grace leads to fruitful conversations instead of argument. In other words, given that leaders influence people around them, it is vital that grace is used to form a bridge between people, between peers, between seniors, through alignment of purpose and situational awareness. Grace help leaders, will help leaders to put down pride and prejudice. Grace will help us as leaders in the assault of faith to learn the way of resolving conflict without having casualties. Praise the Lord. So, we have to learn and use the way of grace as leaders. Why? Grace is the currency of all true and genuine relationship. It is a key that a leader will use in ministry to pierce followers and seniors and everyone in fear with false pride or prejudice. Grace also extends or restrained or free hand of fellowship to others by celebrating their dignity. Because every one of us, after all, are made in the image of God and we are object of God's affection. Grace is always at work when we are there for one another, when we accept our mutual limitation of weaknesses, and when we are willing to work together to enhance mutual well-being. In other words, our mutual material spiritual well-being. Even when we walk away from God, for example, God's grace often locates us. Why do we not imitate God and do that for our with our followers? So, while Jesus was leading physically, for example, many years ago where he was on earth, he constantly reached out in fellowship and acceptance to restore people to God through grace. So, to deal like Jesus, we must be agents of grace in a like manner. So, beloved, let us pray. Let's say, Father, bless me with your grace. 
that the same conflict and tension in the mighty name of Jesus grant me the power of a graceful leader for the benefit of your flock because they are not my flock Lord Almighty help me build up and build better relationships in, in congregation in your church and in the society with grace in the mighty name of Jesus Almighty God Please disarm the pitfalls of pride and prejudice in my ministerial assignment and also the work that you have committed into my hands to do in the secular. Father, help me to learn and apply the way of grace in leadership in the mighty name of Jesus. So, beloved, if you are blessed with this episode, we urge you to spread the message as you apply biblical phonesis in your daily life. We enjoy you to join us on our online platform of the RCCG, Restoration House Blue Fountain, or on site in Blue Fountain, South Africa, if you are close by. Please do not hesitate to send comments and questions to us via our public platform. As you do so, the Lord Almighty will give you the grace to, to, to make it to heaven and to accomplish the impossible in the mighty name of Jesus. Remain blessed until we come to you in the next episode.